Well, it's nice to be... I'm glad you applauded before because it's such a... It's so embarrassing when people just walk out at the end. You know, so I prefer to get the applause at the beginning. It's great to be back here. I feel like I know everybody. And um, like I was saying, that I'm going to try and... Uh, my accent might be a challenge to some of you, but, you know, Alan Jones, if Alan had stayed in Scotland, this is how he'd speak. I don't know what you've done to him. We think he's an American. You think he's foreign, don't you? But uh, <clears throat> this is a... Uh, this is an accent, it's not an impediment. <laughs> this is where I come from, everybody speaks like this. And when you get to heaven... <laughs> you speak like this too. <laughs> so get your ear tuned in if you want to go to heaven. But it's good to be here and, and, and thank Jeff and Becky and the family really for... They didn't just invite me, but they opened up their home to me and I'm staying there and... And uh, so that's just, I feel more than at home. I feel it's uh, with family, so thank you very much. Have you got a Bible? Don't worry, I've got one, if you haven't got one. But um, I want to read from the Bible. I always say to, one of my roles, I look after about 200 pastors, and I always say to them, um, you should always read out the Bible when you preach, because that way you know at least something you said was inspired. <laughs> so I forgot my water, can I? So I'm going to look at John chapter 11. Thank you very much. If you've got John chapter 11 and uh, verse 38. I'm going to see how we go. This is interesting. It's to do with the resurrection of Lazarus. And uh, in this chapter, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But we're starting just after that in John 11, 11 verse 38. And... Um, and then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time, there's a stench. But he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. <clears throat> and he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Amen. God bless his word in our hearts. And it's interesting, this is a free bit, nothing to do with the sermon, but, um, um, but in, in this scripture, when Jesus comes, he talks about the resurrection. And when he arrives, both Martha and Mary say this, Jesus, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. If only you'd been here. And then Jesus says to Martha, um, well, he'll, he'll rise again. Martha says, oh yeah, he'll, yeah, in the resurrection, yeah, he'll, he'll rise again. And it's interesting how people can have faith for yesterday. If you'd been here, it would have been different. And they get faith for tomorrow. Yeah, it will be better later on. And Jesus said, I want you to have faith for today. I am the resurrection and the life. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow's not here yet. But today I'm here. And I think sometimes, you know, I've, 
I have faith, Lord, if, if, only, if, only, if only we could have had revival five years ago, ten years ago. But I know sometime in the future, Lord, you'll, you'll have revival sometime in the future. And Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm here now. Why don't we do it now? Why don't we have a revival? Why, why, why should we wait for uh, ten years to revive? God's looking for a people who say, yes, please. So I'm up for that. Now, let me tell you this, this story, though. I think it's amazing. And the, 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 the point I'm going to make, the first point, is that God wants us to partner with him in things. And that's why I love him. Brett was, was talking about being a partner. And uh, cause, see, God could do everything without us. He doesn't actually need I guess, what does he need us for? But he sort of to chooses to work with us and to partner with us. But it appears as if what he says sometimes is, okay, we're going to do a miracle here. Um, I want you to do what you can do. And then I'll do what only I can do. But I do want you to do what you can do. And so being a disciple of Jesus isn't sitting around waiting for him to do something. It's doing what we can do so as we open the door for what only he can do. And he says, so therefore, I'm going to, but we don't do it by works. It's by inclusion that we're part of what's happening. He says, I'm going to include you in this. And so when he comes to the grave, and there's a big stone outside the grave, uh, Jesus said, move the way of the stone. Now, he probably said, you four lads over there, move the stone. And they probably went, big old thing. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, an angel moved away the stone. So why couldn't he do that again? I mean, that would have been even more dramatic, wouldn't it? If an angel just appeared, moved away the stone, they're going, wow, wow. That's, but he didn't. He said to these four lads, you're going to do it. And um, it's my guess that before of them, but they're moving it. And I, but I tell you what, later on when people said, ah, Lazarus, he wasn't dead. These four, these four men were saying, oh, he was dead. Trust me. We, we, I was one of the ones, me and three of us, we just happened to be there. I wish we'd been over there, but we were over there. And he said, you lads, move the stone. We moved the stone. Something had crawled in there and died. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. But we opened that and thought, whoa, whoa, that is bad. That is really bad. And when Martha said he staked, she, she was right. <laughs> she was really right. I'm telling you. And some, suddenly, just by moving a stone, they are part of a miracle. They have a testimony. Do you, do you think they, their life was ever going to be the same again? See, so what have you done today for Jesus? I moved a stone. No, that's not much, is it? it changed my life. So sometimes what God wants you to do it appears so mundane. You think, well, do you know what I do at work? It's so boring. Think, yeah, I move stones. <laughs> do they smell much? <laughs> you want to be careful of those stones, what's behind it? Might my body come out any time now? Who knows? <laughs> and then Jesus stands and he says, um, Lazarus, come forth. See, Jesus has a Scottish accent. Did you notice that? <laughs> I bet you haven't noticed that before. Lazarus, come forth. Now, I think Jesus said Lazarus because if he just stood there and said, come forth, all these boys, it would have been like the, the day of the zombies. There's all these. He said, oh, Lazarus, only, only Lazarus, back. <laughs> only Lazarus, okay? Just the one, okay. <laughs> I think that's, I think the Bible's, don't you think the Bible's funny? I think Christians are meant to be happy. I mean, we must tell people. Nobody seems to know. 
Jesus said, come that your joy might be full. What does that look like? Well. <laughs> so Lazarus come forth and he's like this. Because <laughs> he's all bandaged. Yeah, and he can't move. And he's got a napkin over his face. And I've got to tell you, unless something happens quite soon, this is going to be one of the shortest resurrections <laughs> on history. Because he's going to suffocate. He's going to go, boom, boom, boom. What's he saying? Something like, can't breathe, I think he's saying. But Jesus, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead... All his bandages and napkin and everything was taken off and put in a nice little deep pile. Surely an angel could have been in the grave helping Lazarus saying, in a minute, in a minute, they're going to move the stone and out you go. So let's get you tidied up. <laughs> Comb your hair, Lazarus. <laughs> your mummy never teach you to wash down your ears. Just get everything done. But he's not. He's not. Because, because we could do that. And sometimes when people get saved, they come out and they walk in, a, there's no bondage on them at all. Other people, to be honest, they seem to need a lot of help getting the bandages of the past. They need the ministry of the church. They need the care, the pastoral care of people to get free. Because he will do what only he can do if we first do what we can do. So he's asking us, would you partner with me? Would you be a, a partner of that? Would you be a partner of, of doing what I can do? Remember when Jesus turned water into wine, the first miracle. And it's almost like before he started. You know, but he, he actually had to say to Mary, I'm not, it's not the right time. And Mary said, to be a bit like that? She said, well, you can just have a practice on that. Because I think it was Mary's family. Because she, she why, why did Jesus turn up? And Mary seemed to have a bit of... Um, Influence, didn't she? She could tell people what to do. So maybe it was her family or something. I don't know. <coughs> but they turn up at a wedding where, I don't know how to put this, but they're drunk all the wine. I mean, somebody, they didn't have no wine. Somebody's drunk it. And they're probably all standing there. Where's the wine? I don't know. I have no idea. But actually, have drunk. The, the weddings often went on for two or three days. So it might be a, a day into it. And I bet, I wonder how they felt. They were running low on drink let's hope nobody oh there's Jesus come with 12 disciples 12 more men to come to drink there's nothing left tell them water there's nothing left <clears throat> and they come to Mary so what are we going to do and this is interesting to me so again this is not the sermon but it's free um, they come to Mary and, and, and ask her what to do now some people sort of think that you can pray to Mary you can sort of talk to Mary and she'll talk to Jesus for you because that's a bit you know if I talk to Mary, that would save. I don't think you can do that, actually. I think once you're dead, you're dead. But if you could, <laughs> if, if you could, if you could, this is an example of them coming to talk to Mary. And what did she say? Then she said, what do you think? She said, there he's over there. Go and ask him yourself. And if you could talk to her in heaven, if I said, I'm sorry, I don't think you could, but if you could, I think she'd still say the same thing. I think she'll say, no, no, don't ask me. There he's over there. Ask him yourself. So they went over and he asked them. And there's these um, jars or, or, I don't know, a big, big, they must be about that height because they, they, they hold 30 gallons. That's like, like 30 bucketfuls of water. So they're big, big old things. But they're empty. So Jesus says, fill them with water. That didn't sound much. 
I probably when you said that, fill them with water, people say, okay. But there's a little girl, or a little boy probably, a young girl thinking, that's my job. Fill with water. Now, I don't get a hose pipe and fill it up. I have to go now, take that bucket, go out here, go out the way, push past all the people who have drunk the wine, get past them, go to the well, drop it down, bring it up, bring it back in here and fill it and think, that's made no difference at all. I went all the way back down. I don't want to go back and forth because you know what this church is like? Nobody helps you. You're on your own. They all love Jesus, but they hate hard work. That's just the way it is. I'm just on my own. I'm back and forward. And then somebody says, actually, you know, when Jesus turned water to what it wasn't. It was water. It was always wine. Excuse me. I was back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. How was it took me? That was water, water. I know what it was. All she did was fill a jar with water. That Jesus could have. It's just as easy for Jesus to see those empty jars. Have another look. They're full of wine now. He should have done that. He could have saved that poor little girl. <laughs> All those hours of trips back, except he wanted her to partner with him in a miracle. She couldn't turn water into wine, but she could bring water to be turned into wine. And I tell you, you might not feel there's much you can do, but you can probably fill a bucket with water and empty it into a jar. Amen. Amen. Don't clap, throw money. (laughs) (laughs) For health and safety reasons, only paper money. (laughs) We think... How does it help when, some, when, when God gets you to help them? And I, one of the things people find amazing is I'm old enough to have grandchildren. I know, I don't look it. The amount of disbelief that came from you right there was, I was upset. I have six grandchildren. Last time I came, I had five. So can we have another offering? Oh, we're still paying off Christmas. Anyway, so we got these grandchildren. And uh, I, I'm an identical twin. I have a twin brother. We're identical. Except my brother, I mean, who's a very good-looking man, I have to say. But he's, he's thinner than me, which is not nice. Can you imagine what it'd be like if you're just you're carrying a bit of um, undeveloped muscle on your body, and you have someone who walks around three-dimensional picture of what you'd look like if you lost sixty pounds? And I sort of go, I wouldn't do that to you. He calls himself a pastor as well, I just don't know. Um, so we had it, but my youngest daughter, she's got four children, but the, the middle two are twins, the Zoe and Zara, and they are totally identical. They're so identical, I cannot tell the difference unless I'm very up close, because Zoe's got a freckle there, and Zara hasn't long made that freckle stay. So I don't know the difference, but they, they, they spend a lot of time in our house, and so... I'm out in the garden and I'm, I'm doing the garden and I'm sort of watering and digging up weeds. And so it takes me 20, 25 minutes just to do that basic garden stuff if I do it on my own. If Zoe and Zara help me, it takes 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> and I come in and go in and then they go in into the kitchen and they say, Granny, we've been helping Grandad. 
I'm going, yeah, thank you. And uh, I said, well, where's Grandad? Grandad is out in the garden repairing all the help which the children have been giving me for the last hour. I'm finding plants which have been dug up and thrown in because they thought they were weeds. They're not weeds. I'll put them back in now. I'll fix these things. And Oh, look at this. And, but by the, I just love them helping me. Yeah. They really believe they help me. They really believe. <laughs> They do. They think we've really helped Grandad. I think, well, please don't help me again. That's, that's enough. But they've, they've sort of grown a lot. But you can see them. They feel responsible. And I think sometimes God says, I'm going to let David help me today. And Gabriel going, we're a bit short of time, you Lord. Um, I better get a couple of angels to help tidy up afterwards because you know what he's like. And I, I think, well, yeah. Because, see, our God is so amazing. He's such a big, powerful God that that he can use incompetent, imperfect people like me to do things in a dreadfully incompetent, imperfect way and still bring about his perfect will. That's a great God. Don't you feel blessed to be allowed to do that? He lets us do that. And that's what discipleship is. It's discipleship learning how to work to partner with God. And so I, I... can I just say to you, um, keep relaxing because you'll feel good at the end of this sermon. There's no, we're not going to ask for money, we're not going to ask for anything. But I actually think that we need to learn how to enjoy being in the presence of Jesus. We need to learn how to enjoy taking it away. We are meant to be the happiest people on earth. Even, even when we have problems, I tell you, we're not problem free, trust me. You don't have six grandchildren and believe you're trouble-free. But, but we, we don't. But I, what I realise is we have the same, just about the same problems as everybody else in the world has. Except we have a huge resource to pull on that they don't have. Yeah. And so it's, it just feels different. It just feels different. And discipleship's a bit like that when we want to sort of begin to do what God has called us to do and to learn things. And we... <clears throat> We have to learn how to embrace the process because there's a problem but I don't really like. I don't like it having to learn things. I don't like being disciplined or discipled. And our problem is that we think discipline uh, or discipleship is to do with discipline. And we think that discipline is always to do with punishment because they sound the same. But actually just being a disciple, being disciplined is, is some of the best things. The discipline isn't to stop us from doing bad things. The discipline is to enable us to do the good thing. Yeah. See, if you, if, if you want to be good at sport, you have to be disciplined to be able to do it. And so you do it because you want to be good at it. I'll tell you, so I, I, I have been to the gym recently because they started doing lunch. And... <laughs> <coughs> I did notice that when I went, when I went once, they'd give you, they'd let you on the machines. And uh, I was on this machine and the guy was, sh- I'm not sure if they're training you how to do it or trying to make sure you don't break it. I think that's what I was there for. And it's going, and he's going to need to go a bit faster, David. And I, I said, I recognise you. You used to come to our church, didn't you? He said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. And after a couple of minutes, I said to him, <sighs> that's what I said to him. <laughs> I said, give me a minute. Tell me, the reason you stopped, was it me? Did I upset you? Did I say something to hurt you? Because I'm really sorry. I said, no, 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 no. You were great. Why do you say that? I said, because you think you're trying to kill me today. That's why. I thought you were trying to get revenge on me. I said, can we not go a bit slower? Can we just sort of walk a little bit? Said, of course you can. But it won't do you any good. He said, because unless you're feeling stretched, you're not 
growing fitness. I said, oh, really? Do you know that phrase, there's no gain without pain? Some gain's not worth the pain. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and it's God spoke to me. Nobody said to me, the last time you felt stretched was the last time you grew. And as Christians, we don't like being stretched, but actually I do. I want to grow. So how do you know? How do you know you're growing? It's when you felt a little bit stretched. Like I'm, I'm, I'm out here on my own. I'm like here on my own. God said, you're now growing. That's what being a disciple is. You're trying something new. You never tried before. That's really exciting and good and excellent. Which day is this? That's what I was just thinking. Because as Jeff was saying, some of these angels don't have... Watches, the whole spirit and a watch. I don't think he's got a calendar. Sometimes things just go on and 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 on. Because I think that one of the problems with being a disciple, we think, do we have rules which tell you don't do this, don't do that, don't do the next thing? I was brought up in a lovely Christian home, but I was my my mum and dad, like they just wanted to make sure that we didn't do anything bad. We really were quite committed to doing several bad things which we weren't allowed to do, I must confess. But so we didn't want, so there's obviously don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. We had loads of rules. And I remember saying to my dad once, even God's only got ten commandments. <laughs> You've got don't do this, don't do that. Don't do the next things. I mean, I always think, if you're not careful, you think that being a disciple is learning to obey the rules. Being a disciple is learning how to make good decisions. God's not here to give you a whole checklist, do this, do this, do this, but he changes our heart so as we want to do the right thing. It's not about legalism, it's about being free to love him. Augustine said, uh, love God and do what you like. He says, if you love him all your heart, you'll only do the things that please him and, and, and bless him. Because rules, I don't think rules work very well. I have in, in church life, I have a little feeling which says something like this, that um, you shouldn't have lots of rules in your Christian life because good people don't need rules. And bad people won't keep them anyway. So we want to be a people who are not ruled by rules, but who, have a, who are almost propelled by a passion to serve him and to love him. I don't need to be told, don't do this. If my mum and dad were in the room, I'm pretty well behaved. You know, they've both gone to glory. But when I was a child, uh, most of my misbehaviour was done out of their sight. It's a bit like, you know, a mum says to a little girl when it goes quiet in the next room, Go find out what your brother's doing and tell him to stop it. <laughs> we know what he's up to. The prodigal son went a long way away so no one could know what he's doing. But if you're sitting beside your father, if you stay in his presence, if you are aware of his presence, trust me, you're not going to have to worry about what you do. Because you want to please him. You want to do what's good and great and wonderful. <clears throat> but also... I, God treats you different as you get on. Now, like I say, the, the twins are a great example for me. I'm so pleased God's given me grandchildren because I was running out of good illustrations. <laughs> and when the twins are two, they're really hard work to look after. And, uh, and I was, as a so-called responsible adult, was left in charge of them one day. And I was sitting in my lounge and they both ran out at the same time. I thought, oh no, which life do I save? 
I mean, I don't want to fail. I don't even know which is which. I'm not sure which is which. I thought, well, she went that way into the other lounge, and she went that way into the ki- kitchen. She'll probably get a knife out and slash her throat. That's what children do when they go into kitchens <laughs> on their own, isn't it? So I'm running after her to catch her, thinking, oh, I don't know what to do. <clears throat> but then when we're walking down the street with them, when um, in England roads are narrower, busier, pavements are, or sidewalks, so I, I, I'm quite you know, bilingual. And sidewalk pavements, sort of, they're quite narrow. And, and, and when you've got kids, you have to keep a hold of them. So I'm saying, hold, hold granddad's hand. It's funny, they'll hold your hand any time except when you want them. So hold my hand, hold my hand. And I've got these two two-year-olds. Now I am quite, you know, I'm, I'm quite substantial. God's blessed me with a good frame. <laughs> and I'm standing there, these two two-year-olds, at one point I think, I'm going to be pulled. They're going to come find me, split up the middle because they've ripped me apart. Because Stop it, stop it, stand so Because you stay with me, you stay with me. No, no, you can't. And I'm almost saying to them, see these cars? Every driver there wants to kill you. They all do. <laughs> I don't know what you've done to them, but they're all waiting to kill you. That's just the way of life. I'm not trying to frighten you, but that's the way it is. They're just bad people. You stay beside me, and I'll get you across this road. And we get to the other side. Oh, hallelujah. I can't, wipe my, I can't even wipe the sweat off, because I'd have to let go of my Stay with me. Stay with me. Oh, it's terrible. Then they're five. It's a little bit like, can I just say to them, just... just if you run up and stop at the edge, stop at the edge. You have to stop. I don't, I'm no longer grabbing their hands. I'm saying, you, you can stop at the edge and wait for me. When they get older, when, when the baby was 10, I'm saying, wait for me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait for me. In fact, she's 11 now. And over the Christmas holidays, we're crossing the road. She took my arm and said, I'll help you, Granddad. I said, don't you dare. <laughs> Do you mean you'll help me, Granddad? I don't need you to help me cross the road. <laughs> I'm not that dotery yet. But what I'm saying to you is, as you grow older and as you mature, God should be speaking to me differently now than when I was two. Yes. How he instructs me should actually be significantly different. He doesn't need to hold me by the hand and tell me everything. He doesn't have to let me go. But I maybe sometimes think, if only God would sort everything out in my life, he says, you're growing up. I am teaching you how to make decisions. I am trusting you to make decisions. Not because, not because I, 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 I almost, it gives them more work to look after you when he lets you do a decision of your own. But he wants you and me to grow up into the image of his son. So sometimes you say, Lord, I just feel as if God let me do this on my own. And he's not with me. Well, that bit's wrong, but the rest of it's true. Do you say, yeah, I I'm going to let you cross the road on your own. In fact, actually, I want you to start helping other people cross the road because that's the stage you're coming to. And I don't want to have to shout at you, excuse me, there's an old lady behind you. I want you to be able to notice what's happening around about you. I want you to be aware. Why? Because you're growing up. That's what a disciple is. They should be talking to us in different ways and doing different things. You know, sometimes, but one of our problems is we don't like it. I mean, do you like it when you get it wrong and somebody tells you? So helpful, isn't it? You're like you're painting something and you miss a bit, something because you missed a bit. Thank you. Have you ever had counselling for a critical spirit? Judgmental. I left that there to find, I meant that intentional. I don't like it. It's, it's, it's like, um, because we like it when God agrees with us, but we're not keen when he doesn't. 
Do you know what I mean? Uh, do you have Toys R Us here? We used to until it got bust. I don't know why Toys R Us went bust. My wife spent so much money in that <laughs> shop. But I was in it one day, getting something for the kids. And I'm, I am an observer of people. I just, I like, I love people. And I was standing there and I heard in the next aisle, I just overheard a, a little voice. Must have been preschool, four-year-old maybe. Said, Mummy, Mummy. I thought, oh, I wonder what's going on here. Mummy, I love you, Mummy. I thought, I know what's going on here. <laughs> so I went to the, the, the edge of the aisle. I wasn't really watching, but I was overseeing. <laughs> oh, yeah. This little girl, Mummy, I really love you, Mummy. I thought, I really know what's about to happen next. And she said, Mummy, can I have that doll? And it was like $100. And Mummy had read the books. Mummy knelt down, eye to eye. Oh, princess. Now, you be careful if you call your child princess, because you'll spend your whole life serving her. Anyway, <laughs> now, princess. Remember, Mummy, remember the discussion we had? That, that, that we're just getting a little present today. Maybe Father Christmas or somebody else will bring that. But, but, but no, we're just going to get a little present today. Is that all right? Little girl turned, looked at her and said, I hate you, and ran down the aisle. <laughs> and I thought, well, that, that seemed to go all right, didn't it? <laughs> And that didn't last long. And you realise that sometimes we can be like with God. If God keeps saying yes to us, then we're very happy. But what, what parent in the world will just say yes to a child? Should anyone be allowed to bring up children who will just say yes, 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 yes? At what point will you say, no, it's not good for you? You're going to, you're going to grow up the child that everybody hates in school because you're spoiled. Because you don't get anything, you throw a tantrum for everything in the world. And when you're, when you're five, it might seem cute, but when you're 25, it's just not lovable at all. <laughs> and that's why I taught my children once. I said to them, sat down and said, I don't believe God's told me to raise children. Which was a concern to them because they were two of my children. <laughs> but they knew there was more to come, and I said, God's told me to raise adults. He said, now, while you're children, I'll teach you children. When you're teenagers, I'll teach you like teenagers. But trust me, I'm raising you to be adults. And soon, God willing, when you leave our house, you will pay your own phone bill. <laughs> You'll buy your own car. Actually, what age are children when they stop costing you money? I don't know if anybody... Mine's just 34. It's not stopped yet. But we have, to, we have to disciple people to be able to act age responsibly. We cannot be, like Paul said, you should be eating meat, but you're still having milk. We've got, we've got to grow up and enjoy life and become what we're, who, who we're meant to be to have that sort of uh, discipline of, of, of who we should be and what we have. Our problem is... <coughs> we. I don't like the process. I, I, I want to get the product. I want to be able to say, Lord, here I am. If you could just fill me with the Holy Spirit and deal with every, any laziness in me, any impatience in me now. If you could deal with any, anything like that, I, I just want to receive it. But you know, if you want to grow in long-suffering, do you know there's a hint in the name? <laughs> if you will have to suffer a long time to get long-suffering. Patience. You know, if, you're going to, if you're going to have full of love, God will send you people who are difficult to love. I want to be able to short-circuit it. 
But I've forgotten, it's, the product isn't the, the only thing God's involved in. He, the process is just as important. Not this Christmas, but Christmas before. My family very kindly bought me something called a Fitbit. You know, Fitbit is. Why would you do that to somebody? I mean, Christmas Day, the day you eat more calories than any other day in the world. They give you this thing that counts how much exercise you've done all day. And it said how many, not just, I couldn't believe anybody did that many thousand steps in a day. But don't tell them. I found if you take it off, and you know, if you go in the, the laundry, but when your wash machine is on spin cycle, <laughs> if you take it off and leave it on top of the wash machine, I go, hey, 12,000 steps today. And that's why my family said, but Dad, you should have lost loads of weight. I said, it's obviously not working properly. I'm not sure what's wrong with it. Because you know, and you have to decide at some point, do I want to appear to be doing it or do I actually want it? And then I just think, Lord, why is more important to me that everybody knows what I'm doing or that you know? Who, who am I trying to please? Who am I trying to do that sort of thing for? I have to learn how to do that. And the other problem is that sometimes, you know, let me give you a couple of definitions to sort of finish off with. Because um, like discipleship is not punishment, it's equipping for life. But do you ever wonder who decided what's sin and what's not sin? I used to have this discussion with my parents, and maybe you've used this before. I'm sure it's an international night school that parents went to that I didn't know about. Because the parents always, whenever you said you wanted to do something, they'd ultimately come out with this thing. I don't care what other children are allowed to do. So long as you live in my house, under my roof, eating my food, and I'm paying the bills, this is the way it is. Does anybody else relate to that? You must all be related to me, because that's what my dad said. I think, well, that's it. And it's almost like we were, some things we were not allowed to do, and others were allowed to do. But some things we were allowed to do and others weren't. So it's sin like that. It's sin just the things God says, oh, those annoy me. So if you do that, I'll kill you. <laughs> That's it. And I'm God Almighty, so tough. And sometimes, you know, when people say certain things, the Bible says there's sin, people say, well, it can't be sin. And they give you a reason why it can't be sin. It's just God. He's like that. So I think, well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. In other words, sin leads to death. What if, it's actually, it works the other way around. That God looks and says, this is what kills people. Let me draw it back. When they do this, they die. Don't do that. That's sin. It leads to death. Do the things of righteousness that leads to life. So sin is what leads to death. Not, just that, not things that annoy God. But the problem then comes, people want to change names that I have splashed a bit of money out on a what's the right word piece of paper to help you in this imagine I have a bottle I would have brought a bottle but the Homeland Security don't let you bring anything through customs <laughs> nowadays imagine I have a, a, a bottle here and it has this sign on it poison and a skull and crossbones and I say so um, who wants a drink of this who wants some who wants some poison go no no why not well, poison isn't it Oh, I see. Let me just... Can we put this label on instead? It says water. So who wants it now? 
Because you're all highly educated and the state of Tennessee education is so, so good, you go, no, you won't fool us with that. Just say no. No, it's still poison on the inside. We're not having it, thank you very much. So somebody else walks in and I say, would you like some of this? It says water on it. Go, oh, yeah, thank you. And they drink it. What happens? Well, nothing, because it's water, isn't it? No, it's not. It doesn't matter what you change the label to. What's inside has not changed. We're living in a culture today, in a society, that wants to change the name of sin to something else. But I tell you, it still leads to death. We have to resist it, but not being nasty. It almost appears you've been horrible saying that. No, no, if you drink that, you die. That, being ho- that's not horrible to tell somebody. That'll lead away from God. Don't do that. Keep the labels right. <clears throat> I'm nearly there yet. If your neighbour's fallen asleep, give them a nod. You'd say it won't be long now. <laughs> but the other word is repentance. A disciple is someone who's repented of the sin. The Bible says repent and be converted. And um, so repentance is, is if you're moving towards sin, if you're doing sin, God says stop it, turn away from it. That is just normal repentance. Christian repentance is stop sin, sorrowful about it, I'm sorry, Turn away and walk and follow Jesus. It's not just stopping doing something, it's walking and following Jesus. If your Christianity bases all on, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that, and, and it's all about not doing things, that's hard. I give an example. If I say to you, okay, now you're all very obedient, so I don't want anyone here to think of an apple. Got, I don't want anyone to think of an apple, the word or the letters. See, you're all very naughty because you're all thinking about apples, aren't you? When you're told not to do something, it's really hard. They say if you're going to have an accident and there's a tree there, don't look at the tree because you will hit the tree. And so I'll look at the space and maybe you'll hit the space. And so actually, to keep looking at the sin and saying, I'm not going to do that, actually might make you have your vision filled up and make you do it. But if you've turned around and you're still not doing the sin... You're still sorrowful and you don't want to do it. But you see Jesus. Say, I'm following you, Jesus. Because he makes me to walk in paths of righteousness. Suddenly, Christianity is not about just repentance from sin. It's about a romance. It's about being in love with Jesus. It's about, Lord Jesus, I'm following you. I won't do that because I'm too busy following you, Jesus. I, I have so much to do just following you. This is my desire. You can do that. You do do that. That's what we're called to be. A disciple is someone who's turned their back on sin and now follows Jesus. Isn't that great? But then there's... I mean, do you ever feel like you're not doing very well as a Christian? Don't put your hand up because it is being videoed. But <clears throat> do you ever feel like you're doing not as good as you could be doing? And I mean, There are days when I actually think, I hope Jesus comes back today. Because I am so like three days ahead in my Bible reading. <laughs> I'm sort of, my wife and I are having an argument for, oh, for a couple of days. Everything's fine, the children, my life's right, my tithe's up to date. This is a good day for Jesus to come back. <laughs> then there's about the other 360 days in the year, and I think, um, give me a while. If you could give me 24 hour, hour notice, Jesus, that would be very helpful. Because I don't, don't really know. In fact, I don't know if I should say this here, but do you ever think that everyone's doing better than you? Do you ever think, do you know, I, 
I'm probably the worst Christian here. Because if you think about it, somebody is. <laughs> Maybe we could have a competition. If you would like to nominate someone, write their name on a $20 bill and pass it to me. We could have aerial finals, couldn't we? America's worst Christian, that'd be great. But see, like you get the Apostle Paul, he says, I, I, it's not life achieved. And he was okay. I mean, when it comes to listing good Christians, Apostle Paul's up there. He's pretty good. He said, I am, I am achieved. And, and if you read Romans 7, you try reading Romans 7 out aloud, making sense. He says, that's what I want to do, I don't do. Now, if I don't want to do, I do do. And I, do, I think, well, oh, there's a lot of do-do in amongst what he's on about. I just, so, that, is that wrong? I've gone, I'm in America, maybe that's a rude word. Anyway, I think, no, no, no. What, what is it? Because, because even he struggled because I'm not there yet. I want to tell you, if you're not there yet, it's okay. It's okay. You won't be there yet until you're dead. So I don't want to be there yet. I want to be told I'm on the journey. I want to be told, you've got a few years to work it out, David, to get a bit better. It's not, am I there yet, but am I moving towards it? Am I moving into his presence? Remember the apostle Peter, how when, at the end, Jesus restores him and um, asks him, do you love me, Peter? You know that scripture? And you know, there's different words for love. There's, there's actually five, or, I think there's four in the New Testament, but there's seven or eight in, 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 in uh, Greek at the time and one of the words was um, agape love do you have I, the God love that's unconditional total and all embracing and then the next is, is almost like affection and, 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 and philios love and, and then there's nostalgia and then there's mother's love and there's other loves and uh, Jesus says to Peter and you always feel sorry for Peter because the New Testament writes his faults quite big don't they you sort of, so, so Peter um Last time, sort of Jesus, you know, for the rest of it, you were, um, last time Jesus saw you, you were by a fire swearing at a little girl, using bad language, saying you didn't know who Jesus was. That's embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine if Jeff said, we took David out for a meal yesterday, I got to say, he was swearing at the waitress, something terrible, words that your grandmother would have never heard. I think, really? No, Peter did that. And I guess the disciples knew, because somebody knew. They wrote it in the Bible. To be honest, John knew. <laughs> The disciple who Jesus loved wrote it. That must have blessed Peter a lot. So John, John, the disciple who Jesus loved then, you don't say who it was, but that'll be you then, John, eh? You put it in there, I was swear, okay, that's up to you, John. Do you know Matthew, Mark and Luke, they, they didn't do it, never mind, you put it in, that's fine. <laughs> that's up to you. So he feels a bit, and Jesus gently restored him, and actually you find out John is hanging in the wings when... When Jesus is talking to, have you noticed if you've got more than one child, if you're telling one of them off, you don't have to ask where the others are. They just suddenly appear. What's happening? <laughs> go away, go away. Just, it's not concern. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, So John's listening. He's listening to see what Jesus is going to say to poor Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me with an agape heart, with an overflowing heart? If John had asked him, people said, of course I do. How dare you imply anything else? But Jesus is asking him, and he knows that Jesus knows the answer. He can't lie. 
when Jesus is even worse than your mother. When I was a kid, I used to, my mother used to ask me a question and I'd go to line and think, no, she knows, she knows. She, she moved in the word knowledge, word of wisdom, word of something. I don't know what she was. I think we were wearing body camera before we knew it all those years ago because she knew everything. Everything she asked me, she knew the answer before. So when Peter says, do you, Peter, do you love me with all your being? Peter goes, oh, that's, that's the one question I didn't want you to ask me, really. So I'm like, you know I have failure. You know, I'm not there. You ask me, am I there? I'm, I'm, I'm here, Jesus. I wish he was there. I wish I could lie and say I was there, but I'm not, I'm here. This is Peter. And then Jesus, I don't know how long afterwards, within minutes, I guess, it says to him again, Peter, do you really, do you love me? Are you up here and you love to me? And he says, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'd like to be there. Do you ever feel like that? And God said, do you love me? He said, Lord, I think I'm here really. I want to be there. But not. Then Jesus says, Peter, do you love me down here? And Peter goes, Lord, you know everything. I bet he went away thinking, I just feel rubbish today. But Jesus restores him. But church history tells us that but Peter was martyred for his faith. And when they came to kill him, they crucified him. And when he saw they were going to crucify him, he said, I'm not worthy to die the death my saviour died. He insisted that they crucified him upside down. There's a man that went from there to there. Even Peter was on a journey. And you might think, I'm not sure I'm even there. I think I'm down there. It doesn't matter. You're on your way up. We're on our way up. We're getting there. Day by day, change from glory and to glory. The more time you spend in his presence, the more his presence comes into us. The more we feel his love, the more we love him back. And then he says, come be my disciple because I want, I want you to do what you can do so I can do what only I can do. I'm calling you. I'm calling you Phil, Franklin, Nashville, Tennessee with just manifestations of partnership with the living God that when you do what you can do, watch me. I'm ready to do what only I can do. You go fill pitches with water and I'll turn them into wine. You go moving stones from graves and I'll call out the dead. So don't be discouraged. You're probably doing a lot better than you thought you were. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you that Jesus is still calling people, men, women, boys and girls, to come follow him. And I want to follow you, Jesus. I realise I choose to repent of my sin, turn around and follow you, not out of legalism, but because I want to be in the presence of Jesus. I want to walk in the presence of Jesus. I want that love affair of being a child of God, partnering with you out of your infinite capacity of patience that I can do the little that I can do so you can do the huge bit that only you can do. Raise up, I pray, a huge army of disciples in this place. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much.